Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. How are you guys doing? Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is the Off the Bench podcast. I don't know if you guys are reading the headlines today, uh, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them because I, I just uh, I want to talk to you guys about the snare of offense. Honestly, that's what's on my heart. But I think it is worth noting that there are some pretty interesting things happening in the news. And so we're going to touch on some of the headlines just for a few minutes, and then we'll jump into the meat of today's podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, I'm going to jump right into this because Pixar released its newest film. It's called Elemental. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was just kind of a nothing burger. But their whole big thing was that they had a non-binary character. And I'm telling you what, you guys, people aren't interested. They did not come to see it. Everybody thought they would because uh, Pixar's worst performing movie ever was the first movie that ever did, which was Toy Story. And that brought in $29.1 million for the then unheard of studio Pixar, which was way back in 1995. But I'm telling you what, you guys, they they make this big announcement. One of the actors, a voiceover actor, she said, hey, guess what? This is super exciting. I get to play Pixar's first non-binary character. Meet Lake, Hauser posted on Twitter. I voice Lake in the new movie Elemental. I'm seeing it in theaters tonight with my friends, so you can catch it in theaters if you want to see it too. And guess what, you guys? People didn't show up to see it. I think that the fascination that the left has with itself and the fascination that the left has with all things that are absurd and ugly is really wearing thin for most audiences in the United States. We saw a similar reaction over the weekend to the Dodgers game. And many of you kind of watched that as I did. The Dodgers had had uh, a really disgusting, there's not a better way for it. These people are very, very much, uh, I can't even say what they were doing on the podcast because Spotify would kick me out. But let's just say these gay men dress like dress up as nuns and they do unspeakable things in front of audiences, blaspheming the word of God, blaspheming God, mocking Christianity, mocking Jesus. And the Dodgers honored these guys with an award at the opening ceremonies for their game this last weekend. And guess what, you guys? Hardly anyone showed up to watch it. They came later for the actual game but everybody knows the the pregame festivities are a lot of fun. People usually like it. And uh, eh, not this time. People are like, nope, I don't think so. And so to me, this is a bit of good news on what is kind of an, an otherwise very dark time in the history of the United States. Also, we're watching more and more uh, detransitioners coming out and saying, hey, you know, I I bought into the transgender lie. I tried to transition and it didn't work. And now they're saying they were injured by this. And this is happening more and more. We're watching it with um, some of the transgender activists that we see out there. But as the transgender movement becomes front and center for American politics, front and center in education, front and center absolutely in entertainment, it is forcing people to take one side or the other of the argument. And what we're seeing happen is the American people, by and large, are saying with a very loud voice, knock it off. We're not interested in your garbage science. We're not interested in you uh, giving us your your uh, your opinions anymore because it's not based in fact. It's not based in reality. It's not based on science. This idea that a human being can transition 
from one gender to the next is garbage uh, from sunup to sundown. And so the legacy media, uh, academia, or academia, and even a lot of people in the woke medical community, and we certainly saw this during COVID, there is a woke medical community, are absolutely assisting in this. But I'm telling you, keep your eyes on the ball because there are going to be now, I think, mainstream medical communities starting to really feel the heat. And I hope they do. I hope we bud light these guys all the way to uh, another planet for what they're doing to our children in the name of woke ideology and pseudoscience. So that's some of the headlines that I've been following. And uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Trump a little bit later on this week. Some of you have been writing in to ask me, hey, you haven't, you haven't talked about what's going on with President Trump and the prosecution of, the, of uh, Trump. And I'm calling it persecution, not prosecution, because what they are doing to Trump is absolutely inexcusable. They're not holding Biden to the same uh, to the same standard. And honestly, you know, Biden has information at his house that would incriminate him. And guess what? Trump had information would also incriminate Biden. And so why do you think that the that the Department of Justice in the wicked, corrupt, evil Biden administration is having this guy prosecuted? And listen, I'm not saying that uh, I appreciate a lot of what Trump says. Sometimes I'm just like, my goodness, you know, why can't you, you know, please, for the love of all things, uh, keep your mouth shut, maybe, <laughs> you know, but he doesn't keep his mouth shut. He keeps right on yakking, which is why Ben Shapiro says this guy is really hard to be an attorney for because he just he just can't uh, seem to remain quiet when he when he knows that everything he say can and will be used against him. And this is a guy that the left absolutely hates. But this is important. There are a lot of people now who are coming out and they're saying that the persecution slash prosecution of the Department of Justice, that their case is really flawed. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. I listened last week to Ben Shapiro talking about why he felt like the case had some merit given the fact that Donald Trump has made some incriminating statements. And you know that the DOJ and people who've been looking to, you know, put Trump's head on a pole for a really long time are having a field day with it. But I just got an article from the Federalist, and I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. And Will Scharf put out an article talking about why he believes that the six reasons, there are six reasons that the documents case is seriously flawed. And he, they're actually really good. He said that there's the interplay between the Espionage Act and the Presidential Records Act uh, is going to be one reason why it's going to water down their argument. He makes a very powerful case for why they are not going to be able to win their case against President Trump. And let's make no mistake about this, you guys. They're not doing this because they believe that President Trump has put national security at risk. They don't think that he's put national security at risk. They're upset because he is the number one threat to Joe Biden's deeply flawed reelection campaign. And I think Biden's going to start to get some pushback from his own party. Certainly Robert Kennedy is going after him in the primaries. And from what I understand, Biden has refused to debate Robert Kennedy. He doesn't want to debate. Why? Because he can't string two coherent sentences together. That's why he doesn't want to debate. So keep your eyes on the ball, you guys. Watch what's happening in the news. Take it before the Lord. Uh, I just interviewed my friend Mark Spence. His interview is going to air maybe tomorrow or the next day. And he said, we have as much right to be worried about what's going on in the culture as 
as God does. So if God's not up in heaven with sweat pouring down his brow trying to figure it out, then we don't need to be here with sweat pouring down our brow, you know, anxious and worried and upside, uh, upside down on the inside about what's happening in the culture. Instead, we need to trust the Lord. And uh, I want to remind you guys that all the things that you see happening around you right now are spiritual in nature. The rise of transgenderism, absolutely spiritual. What you see happening in our schools, absolutely spiritual. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul is reminding you guys, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And if ever there was a scheme of the devil that was blatant and obvious, it's in the attempt at robbing the identity of the children of God away from them by telling them, oh, you were born in the wrong body. Why do we believe such garbage? Because we have lost our mooring in this country and we are not holding to what God says is true anymore. So Paul said, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We got to keep our eye on the ball because spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. You can't fight a spiritual battle using a fleshly or a carnal weapon. And so I hate to remind you guys, but politics is a carnal weapon. And without prayer to back it up, that's all that it is. It's, it can't, it's not going to be wielded uh, with the force and the power of the the weapon that is wielded by the man or the woman who has spent time in prayer and understands how to handle a spiritual weapon. It is requirement right now for God's people. I'm going to say it again. It is a requirement if we're going to see victory in the culture right now for God's people to engage from a position of spiritual strength. And one of the things that keeps us from doing that is when we misunderstand uh the heart of God, if we start not having a reverence for him anymore. And speaking of, of that, I'm going to segue just a little bit because one of my summertime goals always is to read. I like to read books in the summertime, and I'm going to give you guys three books that I'm reading currently. The first one is called The Awe of God, The Astounding Way a Healthy Fear of God Transforms Your Life. That's by John Bevere. And I heard about this book actually when I was speaking in Nashville, which they had a great conference. For those of you who came, so happy to see uh a wonderful turnout and really, truly heart transformation. It was just a phenomenal event. But I was talking to Laura Jones and she said, man, we're going to, we're doing this Bible study in our small group called the awe of God. Well, you guys know me. I love a good book. So I went and checked it out and I'm really, I love that he is saying we have lost our fear of God. We have forgotten that we are called to fear the Lord and turn away from evil, not an unhealthy fear, a healthy fear, a reverence. Go into, you know, any mainstream church and you will see a healthy, uh, well, you'll see unhealthy ways that we talk to God, that we talk about him. We're talking about the, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who put the stars into place. But we've forgotten who we are and who we are in relation to him. And so this is a great book, The Awe of God, The Astounding Way, A Healthy Fear of God Transformed Your Life by John Bevere. Second book that I'm reading I'm kind of just getting into it again because I had the chance to go to Andrew Jackson's Hermitage when I was speaking near Nashville last weekend, but it's called American Lion, the story of Andrew Jackson. It was fascinating to me when I was at the Hermitage and I've been there before. So this was, I think the second or or maybe the third time that I've been there, but Andrew Jackson was an awful lot like Trump. 
in that he really railed against the machine that was running, you know, all these backroom deals and these corrupt politicians that were running Washington, D.C. And he really had the heart of the American people. And so not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination, you know, starting with his marriage. Uh, his, his wife was married to another man and she left her husband to marry Andrew Jackson. He has a fascinating story, but uh, the book I'm reading right now about him is called American Lion, the story of Andrew Jackson. Also want to encourage you, do you want to bolster your prayer life this summer? There's a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, uh, connecting with God in a distracted world. My son-in-law, who is the senior pastor at our church in Camas, Washington, recommended that book to me several months ago, and I'm really enjoying it. A Praying Life by Paul Miller, connecting with God in a distracted world. So let's talk about this snare of offense for a moment. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, verse 11, that a man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. It's to his glory to overlook a transgression. One of the most common ways that we see organizations, Christian organizations fail or splits happen in a church or whatever is because we have decided that we can be offended about everything. We live in an age of offense. We're offended over the color of our skin. We're offended regarding sexual orientation. We're offended at the music that you listen to and what you eat and whether or not you drink almond milk. We have allowed ourselves to become easily offended. And the Bible has a lot to say this about this topic. For instance, did you know that the Greek word for offense in the Bible, if you're just going to read it in the Greek, you would not read the word offense. You would read the word scandalon. Well, scandalon in the Greek is literally the part of an animal trap where bait is hung. And actually, I haven't read it, but uh, John Bevere also has a book out called The Bait of Satan talking about offense. And we are called to overlook I would say 90% of the things that people do to us that annoy us, the, um, you know, instead of giving someone the benefit of the doubt, we lean in because we want to listen to gossip. We want to, instead to believe the best, we want to believe the worst. And we nurse our offenses until they become big things. And God says, this is absolutely not the way to honor the Lord. Jesus said that you have heard it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. As believers, we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to not carry an offense. We are called to be the opposite of offended, not easily offended. We are called to be full of grace. And here's the thing. You can, you can be that person. You can want to smooth things over. You can want to restore relationships. I don't care who it's with, a, a, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, even a stranger. You know, even some guy that you, you, know, you, you bumped into at your, uh, your local grocery store who was a jerk to you. But in a relationship, the person who says no has all the power. This is something we've taught our children for a really long time. It takes two parties to be able to have a healthy relationship. And when the other person doesn't want peace and instead wants to hold on to the, on to the offense, the Bible tells us what will happen. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says, a brother who is offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like bars of a castle. 
In other words, when we allow ourselves to be easily offended and to stay in that position of being offended rather than move toward a position of forgiveness, the Bible says that it's going to be harder to win that person back than to win a city with a stronghold around it. And that tells you exactly the power of offense. And Satan loves it. And so we need to choose our battles very, very carefully. Proverbs 12 or 16 says a fool's wrath, or in other words, um, provocation, right? Indignation uh, is seen at once. But a wise man, a prudent man, covers shame or disgrace, dishonor, reproach. In other words, you cover it. You don't highlight it. You say, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover that with some grace. Maybe I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear it. Or maybe I'm going to wait until uh, this has happened a couple of times before I, I even go and approach the person. Because you know what? I can handle it. I can handle it. Everybody has a bad day. We all say things we wish we hadn't said, you know, and we're tired or, or whatever, whatever it is. But God wants us to be in relationships with other people with grace. With grace. The book of Ecclesiastes uh, starting in chapter 7, verse 20 says, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Also, don't take to heart everything that people say, because you might hear your servant cursing you. For many times, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Yes, we're all guilty is what he's saying. And so we shouldn't let our feelings be affected. In other words, we shouldn't take them to heart just because the chances are pretty good that you have offended somebody at one time or another. So if you're listening to this today and you're nursing an offense against another human being and it's causing there to be a rift in your relationship, take it before the Lord. Take it before the Lord. Because God would have you not carry that offense around with you. God would have us let it go. In Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 20, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Repay no evil for evil. If, you're angry, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Notice that being spoken evil of is going to get worse in the future. Do you guys, have you, have you seen that? People are going to say things about you that aren't true. I absolutely learned this in my run for Congress. And uh, if 30 years of full-time ministry hadn't solidified to me how cruel people can be, running for Congress definitely did. And the Apostle Paul's warned us that the last days are going to be times of violence. People are going to be brutal in their conduct without self-control, according to 2 Timothy 3, despisers of those who try to do what's right. And so in the face of that, we have got to learn to be able to handle it, to handle slander, to handle um, being reviled, and to handle offenses. Offense, by the way, is taken. You have to take offense. And so ask the Lord today, if you notice that you're easily offended, things irritate you as, and uh, in at points in which they shouldn't, Ask the Lord to help you to handle these offenses without anger or the desire for revenge. John 16, verse 1 in the King James Version, which I don't often read out of, but I loved this version uh, of John 16, verse 1. It says, these things I've spoken to you so that you should not be offended. 
Jesus said that those who attempt to make peace instead of retaliating in anger would be blessed. In Matthew 5, verse 9, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. If we believe that what God's word says is true, then we know that God's working all things together for good. So the things that that threaten to hurt you, that you threaten, that threaten to make it so that you're holding a grudge or nursing a grudge or a harsh feeling towards someone else, God wants to turn that around for good. He says you are actually blessed when people are vile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One day, you guys, Jesus is going to return to the earth as he promised, and he's going to bring the reward with him and give it to those who have learned to live godly lives. In Revelation 22, verse 12, we see what's ahead for those who are walking in right relationship with the Lord. And so remember, if you're stuck today in your relationships, if you're stuck in the snare of offense, the Bible says that you're actually sinning. And if we want to walk in blessing, if we want to experience the blessing of God, then we need to walk in right relationship with other people's, uh, with other people. In other words, we do the very best that we can to live at peace with everyone. And oftentimes that means letting go of an offense. It means I'm not going to carry this offense around with me. I'm going to choose to love this person. I'm going to pray for this person instead of spreading gossip, instead of letting this uh, root of bitterness take take a hold of my heart and grow. That is not how God wants us to live. And in the culture right now, we are literally taught to do the opposite thing. We are taught to be easily offended. We are taught to be stuck in the snare of offense. And so if you're stuck in the snare of offense today, if you're allowing yourself to become easily offended, or if someone has come to you and they've asked for forgiveness and you're unwilling to give it, guess what? That makes you the one who God is trying to get a hold of. We can't have victory in this Christian life while we're holding on to offenses against our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. There are too many battles that need to be won right now, important ones. And there's too much at stake for us to allow ourselves to wallow in self-pity and not believe the best of our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly those who are in our immediate family or those who we're working with. It's very, very important. So uh, I hope that that encourages you guys today. I hope you'll take some time to look up those passages of scripture that I just read to you. Also check out the book, The Awe of God, The Astounding Way a Healthy Fear of God Transforms Your Life by John Bevere. I think it's going to really encourage you. A Praying Life, again, by Paul Miller, Connecting with God in a Distracted World, and then reading through the scriptures that uh, that I went over with you today to help you get unstuck from the snare offense. I'm going to be traveling. You guys know this, right? I'm going to be in Indianapolis for the next weekend speaking for the IAHE fundraiser. I love the work of the Indiana Association of Home Educators. I've spoken for them several times, so really looking forward to that. And then I'm going to be speaking at Chia, you guys, at Downey Calvary Chapel. I will be keynoting the California Home Educators Association. I haven't been to that conference in a really long time, so looking forward to that. Also, if you're in Washington State, I want you to put this on your calendar for a TPUSA event along with the Family Policy Institute of Washington. That's going to be held Friday the 28th in Spokane or thereabouts. I will have more information on that as it comes. Uh, But what we're going to be doing is encouraging this country back to a position of prayer. Uh, The reason I spoke on offense today is because we can't make headway into the culture 
if in the private places of our own hearts, we're not honoring God by the things that we allow ourselves to camp out on and, uh, and really take control of our hearts and our minds. So, uh, so check that out, you guys. The Turning Point USA event with the Family Policy Institute of Washington on the 28th of July. I will also be there. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. If you like the podcast, please do us a huge favor and like it on uh, all your social media channels. Share it. Please leave us a five-star review over at iTunes. Those reviews actually really do help us. And if you're interested in the ministry that we're doing here, you can go to FriendlyPlanetFamily.org. And also, and I'm not doing it yet, but very, very quickly, we're going to have my book available for pre-order. MomStrong 365, Everyday Truths for Everyday Moms, releases in just a few weeks. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.